We are going to get into the Word of God, so uh, we can turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're also going to be reading out of Genesis 16. Hebrews 11, we're still talking about Abraham, and it's because there are so many verses here in Hebrews 11 associated with Abraham and his life and the people that were involved with him at that time. A very special covenant was made with Abraham. A promise was made to him. And it is key that we understand it and understand that we are the uh, seed of Abraham when we believe on him in faith. That Abraham is the father of many nations. He's the father of many people, and he's also the father of all who believe. So we have to understand the importance of that Abrahamic covenant. Now in uh, Hebrews 11, starting with verse 13, It says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So make sure that you see that the the hope that we're looking for is things that are not seen. The definition of faith in 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So we're looking forward to something, but in the meantime, we are living a life with all kinds of things that we can see all around us. The rest of the verse says, The evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. And then it lists all of these people, one after the other, in order of how they appear in our Bibles. And, and we're, we're looking at Abraham, who was believing something that he could not see. And God is working with him, and Abraham is given a promise, and then things don't look like they can happen And not only do they look pretty bleak, but God waits until things get not just unlikely to happen, but He waits until it cannot happen, and then God is ready to work and to reveal His power in an an impossible situation. And you'll see it played out as we read over in... uh, Genesis 16. For they that say such things, talking about the people who, who have confessed that they, are, that they are strangers and pilgrims. You're, if you're a stranger in a land, that means you're a foreigner. You, you don't belong there. And if we think that we're heavenly bound, then we are, would say that we are just strangers here. We're just sojourning. It's temporary because we're looking for a better country. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Now here's the main verse. And truly 
if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Do you know anybody who has been introduced to godly things, have been invited to church or to a Bible study, and they have come to church and they have heard with their ears the godly things, they have maybe seen it for themselves in the Bible, and then they turn and go back to their old ways. Now last week we talked about Lot. Lot, we understand, was actually counted righteous by God. So he had a saved soul, but he had a lost life because he chose very poorly in all the things that were presented to him. And he, had, he was on trial. He, he was being tested, and he went the wrong way. Abraham, not... He, and we're gonna, what we're going to be going over today shows that Abraham didn't do it perfectly. He messed up a lot too. And we can, we can mess up as Christians and as church members and as leaders in the church, we can do things wrong from time to time. We can. And I just pray that people won't make decisions on their walk their personal walk with God based on how good everybody else does. That's foolish. To base your... So, so I know people who might come here for a special event, but they do not want to walk a Christian walk. They don't want anything to do with church, and they will use a failed pastor from the past, as their excuse why they will never come to church again. It's like, so you're willing to go to hell forever because a failed leader in the church offended you? How could you come up with that? How could you use that as an excuse? It's, you're the one that's going to suffer by using that, but it's just basically saying, look, I... I'm a worldly person. That, they're saying, I'm a worldly person. I'm going to get my satisfaction in worldly things, and I'm going to live the best I can while I'm here, and then I'm going to die, and then it's all over. But if you're a believer in the Word of God, it's not all over then. It's just beginning. In 16, but now they desire a better country that is an heavenly Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Do you believe it? Do you believe that? All right, back at 15, it says, listen carefully, And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to, uh, had opportunity to have returned. All right, so... Think about, remember the, the children of Israel, the nation, the Hebrew children that came out of bondage out of Egypt. Remember what Egypt represents. When you see Egypt, that means the world. It is a type and picture of the world. Remember all of those Israelites who were delivered from bondage and they came out of Egypt and they actually walked right through the Red Sea. It parted for them. 
they walked through, got all the way through, and then turned around and watched all of the Egyptian army pursuing them into the Red Sea, and all the water caved in on them and wiped them all out. They saw all of that. But remember, it wasn't long after the trials and testings of being in the wilderness, not being able to go the easy route because of enemies, and they would have to go this way, and it was hard. And then they, they had to look for water. They had to look for food. And it wasn't long, and they were willing to go back to that country that they had been set free from. That's what that verse is talking about right there. Remember the nation of Israel actually wanting to go back because it would be easier to be taken care of by the world, which is Egypt. You know, it's not easy being a church and dealing with all the people you have to deal with being a church. And you think people hear the word and that they're going to live differently, and it looks like they start to, but then they go right back. It, it can be tough watching the people we love not follow God's ways. It's tough. It's tough to do the right thing when it seems like the whole world wants to do it the wrong way. And, and you are all by yourself. Maybe it's at your workplace, and you're the only one who believes everybody else wants to do it a different way. If you're at school, the same thing can happen. And uh, you know what Ronnie brought up about all the lies that you're hearing on the news? It seems like everybody out there across the world has, is saying bad things about the nation of Israel. Why aren't they saying bad things about Hamas and Hezbollah? The Hamas fighters wore body cams so they can film the killing and the burning alive and the, the cutting of babies in front of the parents. They, they filmed all that. So when a leader in the world or a group comes out and says Israel is so bad because of what they're doing in Gaza, they should make them watch those videos. Force them to watch what actually happened. And then let them say it again. Do you really want to say what you just said? But they're going into hospitals and causing a ruckus. It's because Hamas goes to the hospitals and uses it as a safe place. And Isra Israeli soldiers risk their lives to go personally into these places to weed out Hamas so they won't kill the civilians. So they're putting themselves at risk by doing the right thing. But then all you hear on the news is look at them going into these hospitals. Look at what they're doing. And it try, they're trying to make Israel look bad from every angle. And it's frustrating to see it and to see how many people fall for it. And then it, don't, it doesn't take long at all where the whole world is pressuring Israel, cease fire, cease fire. 
No, not until the job is done. And we should be standing up for them saying just that. Not until the job is done. Now, how, how many times have you heard Palestine? Palestine, Palestine. Over and over and over again. How many times is Palestine, that word, in your Bible? One time. And it's in Joel. Now, now some of the other versions don't even have it at all. They change it to a different word. But then there's Palestinia, which is also referring to what we would say Palestine. But Palestine was really only that very west coast where Gaza is right now, the Gaza Strip. And biblically, they're trying to make an argument that this was our land. And so biblically, they're like, okay, we'll let you have it. Just be good. And they've never been good. Ever. So where... Palestine shows up in your Bible is in Joel chapter 3, verse 4. Joel is prophesying the, res the, the restoration of Israel one day, fully. Now, if you were here on Wednesday, and I was talking about all the borders of Israel, they go way past what you see right now today. I, I can't remember the actual numbers, and I meant to look it up, and I forgot to look it up, but I, I'm thinking that, and when you read the first part of Joshua, because that's what we did on Wednesday, where we were in uh, Joshua chapter 1, the children of Israel getting ready to go into the promised land, and if you look at the, the description that God tells Joshua that is theirs, and you go all the way to the east, and to the Euphrates, and all the way down to the border of where Egypt is, and if you take all of the area that God said is theirs, I think the number is 300,000 square miles. I think that's what the number is. Now, don't hold me to that. I'll look it up sometime this week. Hopefully by Wednesday night I'll have the, the numbers will be accurate. But I think right now they only have 30,000 square miles, which is 10%. So putting that on a spiritual level, we as Christians, all the promises God have made to us, do we possess more than 10% of the promises? Is basically what you can get out of that. I talked about that on Wednesday. So in Joel, where the word Palestine is, it's they have done some bad things. They're... they're um, have cast lots for my people and have given a boy for an harlot. So they're, they're, they're willing to give up a boy, sell him so that they can have enough money to buy a prostitute, basically, and uh, sold a girl for wine. So they're, they're selling a girl into slavery so that they can get drunk. And then in 4 it says, Yea, and what have ye to do with me, O Tyre and Zidon? which is the cities in that area, and all the coast of Palestine. What do you have to do with me? All the coast of Palestine. So if you read all of this, well, let me finish reading that verse. Will ye render me a recompense? And if ye, ye recompense me swiftly and speedily, 
will I return your recompense upon your own head. So God is telling them through the prophet Joel, you are going to be very mean to Israel, and you're going to mean it for evil, and I'm going to turn that right, right back around on you. So anytime you see Palestine or Palestinia in the Bible, it's God talking about how they're going to be punished for the bad things they do to Israel. So we need to know our Bibles and stand on the Word of God. And uh, the, the word Palestinia is in your Bibles three times, and that's Exodus 15, 14, and Isaiah, and it's pretty much, it's, it's all together. It's verse 29 and 31, but it's all the same story about uh, Palestinia. And then you have Philistia, which is, which is three times, and it's in Psalm 60, Psalm 87, and Psalm 108. Again, it's that area where the Philistines and the Phoenicians were, those invaders from the sea that caused problems for Israel way back then. All right, that wasn't even part of the sermon. Genesis 16. Genesis 16. This is talking about the birth of Ishmael. This is, this is where Abraham's faith failed. He had a failing faith. All right, y'all listen, listen to this. In 15, God made a covenant with Abraham, right? In chapter 15. And he also said to Abraham, I will make thee a great nation. Are y'all paying attention? One of the things he said to uh, Abraham was, if you want to look back at 13, 16 says, notice what, notice what Genesis 13, 16 says, And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Notice dust of the earth. Now turn to 15... And look what it says. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. So what is it? Is it the count the dust of the earth or is it count the stars of the heavens? Why, why is it presented to us in two different ways like that? The covenant with Abraham, I will make of thee a great nation. So, in his number of children that were actually born on the earth, the nation of Israel and the whole uh, Arab nations that came from Ishmael, they're all part of the earth. They're actual people walking around on the earth earthly. But what about on the spiritual side of things? He was instructed to walk outside and look up into the heavens and try to count the stars. That's all of us who believe Father Abraham and that we go into his family by believing on Jesus Christ as our Savior. So, physically, naturally, 
there's all kinds of descendants roaming around on the earth. And then heavenly, there's all kinds of people like us who believe and that we are the spiritual seed of Abraham. Notice, isn't that neat? Isn't that just cool as it could be? All right, 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare no children, and she had an handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I, I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarai. So there was this, uh, I think it's called a Hammurabi uh, law, that, that you could do that. Like if a woman was not able to have a child on her own, she could use a handmaid like that as like a surrogate. So if the baby was born onto her thighs, it would be legally hers. We don't do that the same way here. In, in the, today's times, we do it differently. But we still do those types of things, you know, as far as a woman can't have a child and they will use a surrogate mother and all that. And that, that's controversial as well. But here, Sarah, there was a law of the land back then that stretched all over that whole area that you could do that. They had some strange laws. Just like a brother dying before he brought a son into the world, then his brother would be obligated to take the wife, and the first son that they bring into the world would be dedicated to the brother who died. Another strange law that they had that we don't do today here, but it's something they did. So, God has already promised them that they would have a baby, but it's taking too long. God needs help. Like I said before, it's dangerous to, to be behind and not following God. It's, it's, it's very dangerous to be behind Him and not keeping up with God. But it's even more dangerous to get out in front of Him. Right? And here's an example of what happens when you get out in front of God. Your, your, your patience has, has, uh, has uh, gotten the best of you. You just lost patience and you want to help God out. Please learn a lesson from this story. You don't need to help God out. Believe what He has said. It will come to pass. It may not come to pass as quick as you would like, but it will. It will come to pass. Remember, all these people we're reading about, they died never actually getting the promise because they're looking for it in another place, a heavenly place. We're not going to get all the stuff that's promised to us while we're living on this earth. One day we're going to die, and then we'll have it all. And the, and the sad thing is, is Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. He's like, okay. And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he, remember, he was 75. Now he's close to 85. Maybe he is 85 right now. And he, see, they're looking at the impossibility of Sarah having a baby, right? She's never had a baby. She's way past childbearing age. So she's an impossibility. 
And Abraham is getting very close to becoming an impossibility himself. So while he still has a little bit of life in him, they, they, here's Hagar, use her, and we'll have this baby for God. It's for God. That's their religious reason. Just like Lot had a religious reason for choosing all the plain of the Jordan. But he also have a real reason. You know, we have our religious reason that makes everybody go, oh, look at how religious they are. Look at how good they are. No. Because you really, you have a real reason. And it's because you're fleshly and worldly, and you need help from God. So, they, ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, uh, to, uh, to Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived... And when he saw, I'm sorry, I should have said, this is rated R today. This is R rating. Um, and he, she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, so Hagar is like, just like that, pregnant. She looks over at Sarah and is like, mm, I don't like you. I'm successful. I'm having a baby for Abraham. You can't. Why try to introduce an Egyptian into the line of Christ. Why would you come up with that idea? Why would you try to bring anything worldly into your Christian walk? Why would we do something like that? And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. So Hagar's looking at Sarah, and she's despising her. And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. So basically, Sarah's like, why did you do this? And Abraham's like, it was your idea. And she's like, and you actually went through with it. I can just hear the argument going back and forth between them. And, and God holds him accountable. God is looking at him saying, nothing actually. So they go through with this, and, and notice that God is not talking to Abraham for a while after he is doing it his own way. But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dwelt, dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. So now, Sarah is being very mean to her. Jealousy. Oh, you think you're special now because now you're going to have a baby from Abraham and you think you're going to be better than me. So she's out of jealousy and spite. She's being very mean to her to the point where Hagar leaves, runs away. And where is she going? Where is Hagar running to? She's actually in a place where she's going to hear about the one true God. Now, the people she's going to hear about from about the one true God are not being very good representatives of the one true God. That's true, right? But even though they're failing in their faith, she's still in a place where she's going to hear the real word and know the real God. Now she, because of the bad behavior of the people in the church, she's running away 
back to a certain place. So you do what, do what pleases you. And Sarah dealt hardly with her, and she fled from her face. Notice 7. Verse 7. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. She's gotten really close to Egypt by now. She's almost back into her homeland, which is really the last place she needs to go. It's going to take her right back into a place of worldliness that she will never hear anything about the one true God. She's almost made it all the way back to Egypt, and who finds her? None of the people that she ran from went after her. You know, we fail to go after people who run off. We don't do a good job of trying to go after them. Sometimes it makes no difference whether we do or not. Sometimes people need to hear directly from God, and she's hearing from our Savior. The angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur, and he said, Hagar... Sarah, Sarah's maid, whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. Are you going to argue with that? What is God telling you to do? What is the Word of God telling you to do? Sometimes it's not easy to do what God told you to do. But you have to humble yourself. The person doesn't deserve you to be submissive to them. But go back and submit yourself to the people that God has put in place. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and, thou, and shalt call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man. His hand, notice this, his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Look over there right now. It's, it's, this has all come true. The descendants of Ishmael, they're in the presence of all of Israel. They say, our father is Abraham. They are right. The Israelites say, our father is Abraham, and they are right. So now you got these two cousins, Israel and the Arabs, their cousins, came from the same father Abraham that are at war with each other all the time. They cannot get along, and they will never get along. Give land for peace. No, don't do that. You're an idiot if you do. They don't want peace. They don't want it. The Bible tells us they don't want it, and they never will want it. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. Wow. Thou God seest me. Hagar knows that God sees her. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? 
Have I, she's asking a question, have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called, anybody want to say that out? Bear Lahaloe? Wow. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered, or Berod, and Hagar bare Abraham a son, and Abraham called his name, or son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. Notice this. And Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to, to Abram. So that's 80, fourscore is 80, and six, 86. Ten years. Now it's, he's 86 when the baby's born. Why does that need to be there? Because it's a number, and God's in the numbers. You know he's in the numbers. There's a whole book called Numbers. So we know that he's in the numbers. Now look, look in, we're almost done. Notice the beginning of chapter 17. The first verse says, And when Abram was 90 years old and nine... The Lord appeared to Abram, 99 minus 86 equals 13. 13 is the number of rebellion. Abraham rebelled against God. God didn't speak to him for 13 years. 13 years. And when he's 99, he, is, he, he has come to a point in his life to where he is as, the Bible says in another place, that he is as good as dead in trying to bring another child into this world. He's as good as dead. So now, if they wanted to try another Hagar, that wouldn't even work. He's 99, 13 years, now God can work with him. We have not just a partial impossibility situation, we have a total impossible situation. Now that he cannot do anything under his own strength and power, and Sarah can't, now that, now that they have got to a point where they have to just bow their heads and say, Father, we can't do it. Just like every one of us need to be. When we say, well, I'm going to fix this sin, I'm going to get this right in my life, i got to work on this, this, and this, and then I'll come and get right with God. No, you'll never do it. You'll fight that battle till the day you die and go to hell. Give up. Realize that you can produce nothing good for God and humbly come to Him and say, I have nothing to give to you. Absolutely nothing. And God, God will say, now... That's something I can work with. So in this next chapter, we see circumcision. We see that God takes Abraham, makes a covenant with him, and he circumcises the foreskin of his member to where he is able after that. It says at this set time next year, which means exactly one year from today, when I circumcise you, your promised son will be born. If you know anything about circumcision as an adult, it would take three months to recover, and then nine months 
pregnancy exactly one year, Isaac shows up. Numbers perfect. Everything works out perfectly with God in his timing. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we just want to remember all the people that we heard on the CD earlier in the tribute to the veterans. Father, there are some of those names are here. Father, or, or when they're not sick, they're here. Father, or when you know, they're not running back to Egypt, they should be here. We have those people in our congregation that we heard their names on that CD. And Father, we want to uh, just ask that you would give them you know, a special blessing for their sacrifice to their country. And Father, there are many names that we heard of people who you know, are, are part of our families that we just want to lift up to you and thank you for their service. Father, we heard many names from uh, people from years gone by, those who have, uh, have died, that have left us. And Father, we just want to remember them and thank you for them. But Father, for us here today, that we wouldn't forget all the sacrifices of the men and women who have gone on to fight our country's battles and, and to even die for their country. Father, that we wouldn't abandon all of what they stood for. Father, that we will be a nation who fears you. Father, that we would be a godly nation that would stand up and fight for Israel. Father, that we will be a blessing to them and not a curse. And Father, that we would carry on the dreams of our forefathers for this to be a nation here that would lean on you, that would know your word, that would want to be a light for those who are in darkness to come here and be free to worship. Father, we, we, we are not doing a good job right now. Father, I pray that pastors across America will be strong in their preaching of the Word of God. Father, that they will not be ashamed of the Gospel. Father, that they will stand on what the Word says and not compromise. Father, I pray that we as Christians would live a life that is of courage, that we would not fear, even when we're the only one. Father, to you, all the glory. Father, we humbly come to you with nothing to offer and ask that you would save us, give us the strength that we need to live in this world that we are just temporarily living in. The Father, that we would see that better country, that place that you have built for us, and that we will be hoping for it with a sure hope that one day we will be there with you. But Father, in the meantime, help us to be strong Christian soldiers to 
bring as many with us as we can. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.